Another day, how's it gonna feel? Is it all okay? If this is how it goes, I wanna get away. Tomorrow's gonna be a good time for a change. Cause Papa's gotta go and Mama's gonna stay. Maybe coming back on Monday. Everything changed having kids because now it was I have a microphone, everything is being recorded. They're gonna see this on YouTube, they're gonna hear it. All the shit that I used to be able to say. Maybe I shouldn't say as much. Oh, that that video of me doing a beer bong from the balcony that's on YouTube. Oh, my daughter's going to see that, you know. And now I have photographs of the kids on the amp. So if I'm having a bad show or a bad moment, I, I turn around and look at that and try and reset and be like, okay, you're doing this for them. Make them proud. They want you to succeed. So, yeah, 100% everything changed. So it's October, have you noticed that? I couldn't hold you in a photograph Still I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be Feels like you kind of flipped the script on me Once they were old enough to verbalize they didn't want me to go or would they'd be crying, you know, as I'm getting in a taxi and I'm like, oh, this is, come on. <laughs> I'm trying to go get you money for food, you know. (laughs) It's a struggle, and it's it's always there. Luckily, my wife is very supportive of it, and every time I, I get down about having to leave, she's like, shut up, put your pants on, you have a great job, everybody loves your music, you're gonna go make people happy, go do it, we'll be fine. So there's no guilt trip, it's more self imposed. You know, it's weird leaving and then you come home and then your kid is riding a bike. When did that happen? You know, once I'm there and we're doing it, it's great. I think it's the traveling and the separation is hard. But once you're playing and you're seeing the joy on people's faces and you're meeting people after the show and they're thanking you for, you know, something. And there have been times where we were at the zoo once in Chicago and uh, somebody screamed like, Bayless! And I was walking my kids and... They ran up and took a photo, and Roman said, do you, do you know that guy? I said, no. He said, well, how does he know, know you? And I said, well, he's paying for your rent. <laughs> you, should, you should be thanking him. Welcome back to Talking Circles, a podcast about Umphreys McGee's 2022 album, Asking for a Friend. With the record released, we're diving into the deep cuts to give you an inside scoop on everything that went into the band's new record. In this episode, we're focusing on the third track from the record, Always October, a song written about the sensation of Bayless leaving his family every October for fall tour. It's also his favorite song on the album. We discuss the challenges of raising a family while being in a touring band, as well as the experience of crafting mashups every October.
It's weird. Uh, it's a word that is hard to rhyme with. And for me, October typically represented one of the hardest times of the year for us because fall tour typically leading up to a Halloween show. And in the past, we were doing mashups. And it took a lot of prep work that I don't know if people appreciated how much time. You, a, you got to create it, think it up, map it out. Then you got to see if it works. And then you got to learn it and run it and run it and run it. So October for 10 or 15 years was a very stressful period for us because we'd be gone every week and we'd be working on this thing that was this looming deadline that so I don't know October it just the song's kind of about leaving obviously and going to play going for us it's it's a conversation with my child I you know I want to stay but I gotta go I'll come back on Monday that's you know that whole thing and so October was this typically a month that I was gone and kids love October because of Halloween and typically I was never home to go trick-or-treating with them or anything I was yeah it's sort of like you know like the boys of summer you know and 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 they're all leaving the beach and it gets cold out you know fall's coming and and it's like oh shit we got to get back to school we got to buckle down and get ready to start to forage our food and pickle our beets you know (laughs) for winter October feels like an A minor chord, which is like what it is. So that sounds like a fall day to me. So yeah, that always October is a good a good title for the just the way it even comes in with that little. So it's not sort of sad, you know. Which I always find is really the saddest of all keys there's there's a, a, a kind of a, a cold wind that blows through um always october the song and and then when it gets to the you know the there's like a little glimmer of hope in the But it's like him in the present tense. I like that he's kind of like anticipating leaving during the verses, during the minor spot, during the... During that section. And then he's kind of talking to his kids. And then the, the chorus comes up. And then it puts him in the, like, in the taxi cab and he's heading to the airport. And it's like, oh shit, here we go. So it's kind of a cool, like, it, it makes you think in different persons, you know, or different time sequence inside that song. I remember listening to Jake's demo. It was called Song Finn. So the working title for the song was Song Finn. And I remember driving up to my new house and I was moving, so I had boxes and boxes. And I was just listening to Jake's demo. And I was thinking about how I did run up to the house, unpack, and then get on the tour bus and leave. And I was listening to the instrumental of it. And right there, in traffic, the melody came to me. Papa's going to go and Mama's going to stay. And I was trying to keep the melody. So I just said, 
now I gotta go. And then I'll, by the time I got to my house, I had, I had the chorus written. So it was almost like a gift the way it came that quickly. And then um, just being able to relate the words to uh, my children. I played it for them before the record came out. And all three of them at one different point were like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> so like, it means a lot to me because they actually, I think, it was probably one of the first songs that they listened to where they actually understood. I think part part of me loves it because I had to fight for it. I remember being in, we recorded it in Nashville for the Blackbird sessions with Dayville and Suxity. So we had two days there and, and I remember showing the producer, Ryan Hewitt, my idea and he, he was just like, I'm just not feeling it. I don't think this is one. And it, I knew it was going to be good. And I was like, I don't know how, if I want to get in an argument right now. But I really, 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 really believe in this. So he said, grab the guitar off the wall and show me. Because I was playing in the demo snippets. It's like, imagine this part bumping into this part. And then this Jake thing bumping into that. And he just wasn't hearing it. So he's like, pull the guitar off the wall, and if you can do it from beginning to end, then convince me. So I remember grabbing the guitar off the wall, and it was terribly, terribly high action, very out of tune. So I was like, in my mind, like, shit, I, <laughs> this isn't going to sound good anyway. And I remember sitting down in front of all of them and basically playing, like, here's the A part, here's the B part, here's the C part. And... I st and then after that kind of demonstration of the song, everyone's like, all right, let's try it. And we went in and maybe three hours later, it was finished. Or at least the skeleton was, you know, the drum space and everything. And then I remember Hewitt at the end of the session saying, this is a good song. And I wanted to be like, you motherfucker, you were about to nuke it before it had a chance to even... So from the beginning, it already meant more to me just because we had to fight for it. This song is special to me because it, it literally it came from several different eras. And there was a point where, I don't know what the time signature is, the boom, 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 that part where the chorus is always October. That was a riff I had for 15 years that I tried to stick in other things and just never landed. I, th I remember being up late one night at Ivy Lab trying to record it and the sun was coming up and I think we were we were too buzzed up to get it right but there's old demos of that where I well, <laughs> I don't know if I should tell the story but a friend a friend of ours Manny was engineering the session and he was told us he was getting married and I was going through a dark phase and I literally remember singing Manny don't do it Manny don't do and that that was the melody that is now often include the different words. Soft as a moody Often a prudent It's my favorite song on the album. 
No, it's it's somber. It's thought provoking. It's it's uh, yearning. It's longing. It's missing. It's wanting. You know, it's all those things that. I mean, I get really anxious right before a long tour. The day before leaving, it's like, oh God. I look around the room. I won't see this room for a little bit. And then you got to jump in that plane and like, oh man, I'll be in Los Angeles in five hours. It's like, feel like you're in a complete time warp half the time, you know? Yeah. It's about leaving uh, the homestead and being like, yeah, I'll see you on the other side. You know, the usual Monday, Monday, you know, I'll be seeing you on Monday. In the final weeks of the Asking for a Friend sessions, Brendan Bayless made it clear that this quiet, somber, and deeply introspective song needed to be on the front end of the album. Track three felt like the right spot to him, and as the band was reviewing the record over the subsequent month, it became clear to them, too. This song was always my favorite. I wanted it to be in the top three because... I mean, who knows, you know, but typically the way people's attention spans are, you listen to the first, maybe you get to the second, by the third, you start to skip. And for me, I, I, as this song meant more to me than anything we've ever done. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so proud of it. It's just personally, that's just the way it is. It's like my favorite color. And I wanted it to be in the top three because I'd, I wanted to make sure everyone got to hear it. I didn't want it to be buried and lost. It was the one thing I was like, it's got to be early because I don't want people to, to not hear this. One of the catchy things might be the, the Paul McCartney bass line. That was something that I just came up super quickly and threw it down. And when I showed it to Pony, I was like, I, take it or leave it. I was just thinking of Paul McCartney. He's like, no, nah, it's good. We'll just leave it. And I was like, okay, good enough. Yeah, like usually the third spot on a record is like where you really want to bring in some like special energy. So I thought that was kind of that was kind of cool. So whoever did the track listing for this record needs to be fired. You know, no, I'm joking. No, I no, I love it too. I think it's I think it's cool because it's a little unusual. So I think it's you know instead of being so so like oh formulaic, um, yeah, fuck it, why not? Why not just put that weird minor song like right at number three and then bring her up as, you know, because you got plenty of time left on the record after song three anyway. So there's no nowhere to go but up right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like the fact that it, it, if you're not paying attention, it's like it, it'll kind of draw you in as this familiar, comfortable, upbeat kind of vibe. And then if you start paying attention to it, it's like, oh, this isn't bubbly. <laughs> The band's departure from home every October was a result of their successful Halloween gag, wherein they'd mash up a series of popular songs to the delight of their fans. What started as a gag ballooned into a required feature of the annual Halloween concert. The mashups are very tedious because it's hard to unlearn cover songs. So like, or a song that you've heard a million times. So that, and then you have to like put a different verse over like a different piece of music, you know, and do the whole mashup thing. So you have to sort of like grind it a few times and get the muscle memory up to make it feel like you have it cold and you're not like reading a chart on the floor. 
you know, because what we'll do is make a calendar sort of situation. That's how we'll write out these these mashups, like in a calendar form, where it'll be like uh, Thunder Kiss '65 over over this and that, and then it looks like a calendar, like a, like of the month, basically. And we just go right in order, basically section per section, and that's our little cheat sheet on the floor. And we've done quite a few of those mashups over the years. That's for sure. I mean, we're always trying to come up with uh, things we can we can get like a, we can build a repertoire on. So that like once we started a few of those, we were like, man, we could this could be our like our theme for Halloween. But you know, you definitely have to put the work in. And kind of kind of what I do is pull up say my iTunes account where I've like you know hundreds of thousands of tunes on here, and I'll grab a piece of paper and I'll and I'll go okay songs that are in the same key uh, has to work songs that are in the same tempo or really close so those two factors are huge and then if it's vocally be feasible to sing because some things are just like you can't sing like it's we're not going to sing Whitney Houston you know what I mean <laughs> anytime soon so, so you take those factors into play and then you start to look at songs like, you know, ACDC. Highway to Hell and, and uh, um, Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. And then you, same key. So right there, they seem to work. You know, and, and it's like you could do that with thousands of songs. You just like see what works. You know, Legos, man, Legos. Oh shit, what do we do? Because the mashup thing took off and it became kind of a somewhat unique to us in the in the scene. And the first one we did, I don't know how many we did, seven or eight, which took a lot. And every year it got less and less and less because we realized that we were just we set a bar that was just too high to once people started having kids and, you know, we were going home instead of staying out for two or three weeks where you know, it'd be easier going home every Monday. So it became not a burden, but, uh, <laughs> oh shit, um, we have to <laughs> keep this going. I guess it is a, a good problem to have, right? The challenges of a life on the road are often hidden beneath the surface of an artist. Sure, they write about their challenges, but rarely do they come out and discuss them in as stark of a detail as we've gotten throughout this series. Our conversation regarding this episode moved from the inspiration for Always October to the memories that are a part of its creation, to a question looking forward. Would the band ever consider life off the road to be there more for their families? It's an interesting question. Could I see myself not touring? I don't, I haven't, had a real job 
I graduated from college in 1998 and I've been doing this. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else I would do. The only, unless something happens where we write some massive seven nation army hit and then we can play 30 shows a year. I don't see <laughs> it changing, which honestly now my goal is to keep it going just so my kids when they're older I don't want them to be like oh my dad used to be cool my dad used to have a cool job <laughs> plus you don't throw me under the bus in front of your mother on the next episode of Talking Circles we'll dive into the quiet deep cut from the record how about now Talking Circles is a production of Osiris Media and Humphreys McGee. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Written and produced by Brian Brinkman, RJB, and Kevin Browning. All interviews and audio used with permission from Humphreys McGee. Osiris.